Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. You're putting everything around your work instead of putting yourself first and then think about this. Go for a bike ride, come home, sit down and work on some of your podcasts. How is your acuity? How is your sharpness? How is your mind? How is your creativity? I, I, I didn't invent this. I just prophesize it. It doesn't have to be two hours. It could be 30 minutes. It could be getting up from your desk and taking a walk with your dog. The point is, is you're getting the blood flowing through the body. You're getting your brain starting to think. And that's when you have your most creativity. Everyone always talks about meditation. Well, you can meditate a lot of different ways. You can meditate while you're riding a bicycle because things go through your head and thoughts get collected. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Brad Tornberg of E3 Business Consultants. Brad has provided consulting across a range of areas to over 300 clients. His unique experience allows him to oversee the entire management of a client's technology environment and can evaluate the entire organizational management and structure of the business. Utilizing business process improvement, Brad strives to solve the business issues first and then apply technology to help solve them. His role mandates strong interpersonal skills, technical skills and management skills. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to novabiz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's a short audio book that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. In our conversation today, Brad talked to me about the concept of business fitness that enables peak performance for both the business owner and the business itself. He explained a simple dashboard to keep projects on track. And we talked a lot about using technology to gain insights and data and enable deeper human connection. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Brad Tornberg. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from New Jersey in the United States, Brad Tornberg, who's the CEO, founder of E3 Business Consultants. He's also author of the book, The Business Fitness Revolution. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Brad. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thanks, Jürgen. It's really nice to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Now, I, um, one of the things you're really strong on is using business processes to drive improvement in business and solve business issues. And you've been working on that, applying technology a lot. Uh, but the thing that really fascinates me is you used your own passion for personal fitness to kind of blend the two things together and build this business fitness revolution idea. So, um, yeah, I'm really keen to dig into that. But before we do that, uh, tell me a little bit about the impact you're making in the world. Well, you know, it's I'm helping others kind of live the best life that they can live um, by optimizing their health, 
of themselves and the health of their business. Uh, I'm enabling them to live longer, thrive more, earn more income, you know, retire happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all connected, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Now, I know you're someone that gets up very early every morning to go to the gym and do a fitness workout, a very strict fitness regime and look after yourself in, in many different ways. And you're using that philosophy in business as well. So tell me exactly what is this idea of business fitness? Well, business fitness is actually looking at all of the individual systems of the business. So, for example, if I take a look at, at your heart and your human body, right, that's the circulatory system. And in a business, it, the circulatory system is how cash and money moves through the business. If I talk about technology and infrastructure, things like that, we're talking about um, the, the skeletal system or the foundation of the business body, right? How well it works. Is it is it 100% efficient? Is there issues with uh, the internal systems? Is it is it more people-oriented where people are filling out paperwork and moving paperwork around an organization? You know, is there is there an ability to uh, consolidate things and improve things uh, within the business itself? So when I look at at the, the systems of a business, you know, things like how well I listen, um, you know, my ears, which is how well does the business listen to its customers? How well does the business listen to its suppliers? Um, uh, what are the recommendations that your customers are making for you to improve your business? Are you listening to them? And for your suppliers, you know, the things that they're telling you about their supply chain, for example, um, that, that you should be ordering more of things. Are we listening to what, the, what that is? So it, it, you could take any part of the human body that you have and you can compare it to the business. So when we look at what business fitness is, it's taking this holistic view of the business itself. We don't come in with any preconceived notions. We take a look at everything under the covers from the financial side of things to the operational side of things. And then it's always three things that we find in a business that needs improvement, right? It's either their people, their processes, or their technologies. So we've become very process discipline oriented too, because a lot of times what we find is when a client brings us in, they're asking us to look at their technology, and it's not their technology. It may be their people. They don't have the right people in the right roles. So we work on their organizational charts and, and getting the right people in the roles. And then as the company's beginning to grow, how do we plug people into those roles? So this way, they're developing a plan for not only now, but three to five years in the future. <clears throat> and, and then when we, if it's not people, it's processes. A lot of times we find that the processes don't work. They're silos of data throughout the organization. And when we ask questions and we dig deeper and we say, why are we doing things that way? The typical answer that we get is, well, that's the way we've always done it since the company started and the founder found the business. Yeah. So, you know, being disruptive and bringing change to the organization is always the hardest thing to manage. And then usually the technology piece, which is what they've really brought you in to look at to begin with, kind of becomes the outer layer, the thing that you're going to put on at the very end if it's needed at all. Because everyone in business tends to say, we can fix this with technology. Hmm. And garbage in, garbage out, right? Hmm. You remember that. And if you don't have the right people doing the job, the data is not going to be correct. And if you don't have the correct processes, the data is not going to be correct or it's not going to be accurate. So how do you balance all of those things? And that's kind of what we do from a consulting point of view. What I've always done is I've always taken this, I walk in the door, What's your problem? So it's really one of asking a lot of questions mm. more than speaking. It's really about listening and interpreting what they're saying and then, observe, then observing what the people around are doing or not doing. Yeah, yeah, that's a very comprehensive answer. And in some ways, it reminds me a little bit of the entrepreneurial operating system um, from Gina Wickman that um, looks at everything in sort of a bigger context and and looking at the systems, the people, the structure uh, first and building kind of in that long-term vision and making sure that the right people are in the right places to execute the vision 
and marrying that all up with the systems and the processes that can drive that and then looking at, okay, do we have the technology that's going to deliver that or that's going to make that easier for everyone to execute? It's not necessarily a new concept. You could look at Michael Gerber and the E-Myth and books like that. And it's just, you know, it's regurgitated and spit out in a different way. My angle on it was, was, okay, obviously you have to have all these pieces in place. But if the business owner, the C, isn't healthy and his mind is not focused correctly, right? Like people always say to me, you, you know, you wrote a book, Brad. Are you thinking about writing another book? I am. And it's called The Business Brain. It's how the business owner thinks and how he acts and how he reacts to certain things. Because it's not necessarily logical and it's not necessarily in alignment with what the right things are to do for the business. A lot of times the entrepreneur, you know, I, I always say that, uh, and I come from a family of them. It's, sometimes it skips a generation when the son inherits the business. It's not, not necessarily the, the entrepreneur that the father was. And so when you, when, when you, it's, it's having those systems in place and putting those systems down the right way. Hmm. And yeah, you raised a really interesting point there. And I know myself, my own experience, if I'm, if there's a lot going on and there's a lot of work to be done and there's deadlines and pressures, uh, I have in the past set aside my, my fitness regime. So, oh, and, and as my regular listeners know, key part of that is lots of bike riding. So I've, put off bike riding i put it off a day put it off another day oh, i still got to get this work done this project finished um, might put it off for two weeks and and then start going out riding again and then of course i realize that wow in two weeks you, you lose a lot of fitness particularly at my age it goes downhill well, very let quickly let me ask you two <laughs> yeah i want to ask you two questions okay the first question is do you brush your teeth every two weeks no. <laughs> no, you brush your teeth every day, yeah. right? Okay, so the first question is, you, you've, you're putting everything around your work instead of putting yourself mm. first. And then think about this. Go for a bike ride. Come home. Sit down and work on some of your podcasts. How is your acuity? Yeah. How is your sharpness? You know, How is your mind? How is your creativity? I, I didn't invent this. I just prophesize it. And I, and I tell my you go ahead. That, that's the thing tell I've me. learned in this. You know, whenever I've done that, and, and I haven't done it for some time, touch wood, so whenever I've done that and then get back to my proper routine, I realize, hey, it's actually a lot. It's counterintuitive, but it's actually a lot more efficient to say, I'll go for that two-hour bike ride even though I've got this deadline and this this work thing that has to be done today because when I know it doesn't have to be 2 hours it doesn't have to be 2 hours it could be 30 minutes yeah. it could be it could be getting up from your desk and taking a walk with your dog I do I did a lot of that during mm. the pandemic and you know the point is is you're getting the blood flowing through the body you're getting your brain starting to think and that's when you have your most creativity everyone always talks about meditation you know get up in the morning really early and meditate well you can meditate a lot of different ways you can meditate mm. while you're riding a bicycle because things exactly. go through your head yep. thoughts get collected you know maybe you have to pull over and write it down or speak into something but <laughs> you know. yes that's that's where my you know, i bought myself a a smart watch for that very reason because a lot of the ideas <laughs> i get when i'm riding my bike and I, i'm too too focused on on my times and things to to stop the bike get off and record on the thing so i can just press a button on my on my smartwatch, say something, <laughs> record the idea. So you've, integra you've integrated technology exactly, into your routine. Yeah. So therefore, you've now reduced the time, and now you don't have an excuse not to go do the bicycle ride. <laughs> yes, it, it's. Um, but it is. <clears throat> it is that idea of um, just looking after yourself first, looking after your fitness and health first, um, because if that's not all in alignment, then It'll impact you're no the good. business. Yeah, you're no, you're, you're not any good. You know, you're not up. You're, you're not 
doing your business what's in its best interests you know because you as the leader need to always be able to pivot very quickly you need that mental acuity you need the ability to think five moves ahead in a chess match right and in order to do that how could you do that when you're just sitting there slumped over after mm -hmm. lunch and you really want to just go home and lay down on the sofa and relax look it's a habit you know, read, read the other books that are out there. It takes 21 days to form a habit. Mm. This is a way to form habits. You know, there's books, <clears> millions <throat> of books on habits. But the truth is the only, only way to create the habit is you just have to do it. You have to get up and you have to do it no matter what it is. You, mm. you can't make excuses. There's no excuses allowed. And it's, it's, you have to be tough on yourself for at least a month or two. And then once you do that, then you don't have to think about it anymore. Then it just becomes a part of who you are. That's the way it is with people like, wow, you get up so early in the morning. Yeah, and then I come home, and then I walk my dog, and then I come home, and people still aren't up, you know. But guess what? Before 9 o'clock, I have pretty much most of my day finished in terms of work, what I wanted to get accomplished. It allows me to focus. So now I could turn my attention to my business, to the people that are around me, to the issues that are for I could work on my business as opposed to in my business. Mm. And that's the shift that you begin to get as you get your own fitness and shape. You begin to see that dynamic how you start to move towards that and once that happens then everything kind of i think starts to flow much easier for for the business owner and for the business he's not as stressed he comes in in the morning he's whistling with coffee in his hand and everybody's happy and and hey john i need to talk to you i've got some hey no problem come into my office it becomes more open the communication becomes more open everything just kind of works into it you know so that's my spiel <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. So, so tell us about a little bit more about how you came up with the idea of linking, you know, your personal fitness regime, your your habits that you go through to look after yourself and your personal fitness, and how that um, then links into business. Well, I I think it kind of started with myself. I mean, I wasn't really working out. I kind of had a belly and. You know, I was kind of tired and sluggish, and I was only in my 30s at that point. So it was like something, you know, I got to do something. So um, because those are the vanity years, which is a good thing in your 30s, <laughs> <laughs> you want to get to the gym and you want to work out. And you want to be – and then what I noticed was the only time I could work out when I started getting consistent with it was in the morning. Because if I came home at the end of the day, I have three daughters, they wanted to play, you know, every, so everything got in the way, as you said earlier. So I decided I'll start going in the morning. And it was, it was actually kind of late in the morning and I'd run to work and then it got a little bit earlier so I didn't have to run and it got a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier until the habit became in the morning. But what I did was I noticed a couple of things when I was working out at a normal hour. Like the hour I work out now is really not a normal hour. But when I was working out at a normal hour, I noticed that most of the people that were working out were successful entrepreneurs and business people. Hmm. So now who they tell you in business, right? When you want to network and you want to talk to people, who should you be around? You should be around people that are more successful than you are, right? You should, you should you'd be the stupidest one in the room. Yeah. That's what I like to say. Um, and, and that's what it became. I started, my business was built at six o'clock in the morning in the locker room, meeting all these business owners who referred me to other business owners, who I did a good job and referred me to other business owners. And that's the way the whole thing kind of took off. So what I noticed was by that there's, there's a correlation between your health and, and your success. And then I started, the story that I love to tell is the one when I went into a client, you know, this was all bubbling around in my head mm. anyway at some time and, and I took a keen interest into fitness I started cutting out articles from magazines and of different exercises and said one day you know I'm going to build something and work with executives I'm going to get my personal training certification which I ended up getting anyway and then um, so I lost my I just lost my train of thought I apologize um, So then when I, yeah, I, right. So then I went to, I went to the client and when I was in the client, I noticed a couple of things. I noticed that he was extremely out of shape. Hmm. He was sweating and it was in the middle of winter and he was yelling and screaming at his people and everyone in that office was looking miserable. 
And that was when it just the light bulb went on over my head. That's when I realized that, you know, the business owner is the brain of the business and how he communicates with his employees or doesn't communicate with his employees is like his central nervous system. And if it's everything's flowing right, if, if, the, if, if the central nervous system's healthy and the brain is healthy and the psychology is healthy, there's perfect communication. Hmm. But if there's a break in it, and I noticed the brain wasn't healthy, so therefore, how could the central nervous system, which communicates to the rest of the business body, be healthy? And that's when that, like I said, the light bulb went on, and that's when I realized that, hey, you know, I've got something here, that there's a real correlation between it, and we need a program, or we need to channel, change the direction of the consulting business to work specifically with the business owner, because there's all these things for their employees, but I always used to say, what about me? I'm the business guy. I'm the owner. I'm the one who's got all the stress. I'm the one who needs help. Can you help me? You know, help me grow my business. Help me scale my business. Help me fix my business. Help me fix me. Help me, help me feel good about myself. You know, yeah. it's like chief bottle rocket and chief, bottle, chief, uh, uh, chief cook, bottle opener and, uh, you know, everybody all together in one. So, <laughs> Hmm. So, tell me a little bit about the program that you developed from that initial idea then. So, it started with the book where each chapter basically went into what it specifically meant. The central nervous system, the brain, uh, the heart, the circulatory system, the cardiovascular, the endurance, the muscles, the strength, um, the gut, how we take data in and digest it, keep the data that's good for us. In other words, reading social media, you know, understanding how social media can benefit your business, how to pivot your business correctly on social media, what not to say, what not to do, right? Um, how do you listen for your clients, voice of your customer? Have you gone out to your customers and given them a survey or ask for what, you know, what they think you do well, what they think you stink at and what they think you could, you know, improve with because those are the things you probably want to fix that's mm. that's addressing your customer service so each of the chapters even though it starts off with talking about the heart you know you talk, there's jokes and there's there's things that compare it to the human body but the real gist of it is that each of the systems that are within the business represent a different part of the business body. And in order for the business body to be functioning at 100%, all of those systems should be at 100%. What we find is when we start to analyze it is that there's a, there's a disease in one part of the system. Mm -hmm. Right. So if, if my circulatory system isn't doing well, that means I'm not generating enough cash flow. How can I fix my skeletal system, which is my infrastructure that has a problem with it? So there's a cause and effect of everything in the, in the business body, just like there's a cause and effect of everything in the human body. And our goal is to get the business body 100% healthy, is to do the diagnostic right figure out what's wrong or what needs to be improved or more importantly if the business is good how do we make it super healthy right it, you might be in good shape and you're you may pass every physical in the world but you know can you lift 400 pounds over your head no mm. okay well we're going to give you that ability or we're going to give you the strength in the legs which gives you the ability to pivot so if there's opportunities in the marketplace you could take advantage of those opportunities those are the it, it, it's kind of like it's just a whole series of analogies across the business spectrum mm. to the human body yeah i love love that whole idea of using that fitness metaphor that i think everybody can relate to uh, in terms of of yeah training to lift 400 pounds dead weight or um, making sure that every organ in the body is healthy every uh, because you know if there's one out of out of alignment one ill then obviously the whole body feels bad right if you have a stomach Even endurance ache, even in, when you talk about things like endurance, the strength, in, in, can the business move forward? How can the business move forward? You know, I mean, looking to the future, right? A lot of times businesses are very, you know, we talk about the eyesight in here too. Myopic, you know, can they see near? Or yeah. Can they see far? In other words, are they focused on just the current and they're not looking at the future? Or are they so focused out in the future that they're not going to have enough of what they need because they're not focusing on what's current, what they need to take care of now? So everything has that comparison in it. But it, it, at the end of the day, you're right. It's something that a business owner or a C-level executive or anyone that you're talking to really 
really can understand in detail. And then they start thinking about their whole business body and say, oh, yeah, I need to look at my ears or my eyes. So. Hmm. And what I, what I particularly like also about it, I mean, you mentioned earlier about uh, technology that often uh, businesses look at technology first as a solution to whatever problem they've identified. And I like to talk about making marketing human again because I think there's a tendency in marketing also to abdicate to technology. It's always, okay, well, what technology can I use to solve this marketing problem or to address this marketing need? And they forget about that human connection part. And and in your model, it's look at the person first and the person's health and then translate that into um, using the metaphor translate that into the business thing so talk to me a little bit about where technology fits in this and and how you manage that kind of balance between you know tech there's lots of technology that you can use for good but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the first fix well i i also look at a couple of things uh, in some respects i guess i'm contrarian and what i mean by that is you must get 500 emails a day. Hmm. If your fax machine just rang right now, what would you do? You'd get up and you'd go get, take a look at it yeah. because you never get faxes anymore. <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> I come from the school of, I still believe very strongly in belly to belly. I believe everything's about relationships. So the problem with technology is while it can automate things and it could speed it up, sometimes it makes it very impersonal. Hmm. And that turns a lot of people off. And business that you might have gotten, you're not going to get. So using technology to help enable some of the more traditional marketing methods i think is the most successful way to look for new business out there it's it's so competitive now it's like when i first started in business as a technology guy i would put something in the yellow pages i'd get calls five ten a week and then after that it was when i was at trade shows i was the only guy at the trade show now I look at the market right now and there's a gazillion VARs and a gazillion partners and resellers and ISVs because the market and the technology has exploded. So it's much more difficult now to be heard and mm. to be seen. So everyone says, well, you've got to have a web page and you've got to have social media marketing. And you've got to do this. The problem is, is businesses understand that this is noise. Yeah. So too much noise and I'm not going to listen to you because it's too loud. Not enough noise and you're not relevant to me. Mm. So how do I get relevant to you in such a way that, you know, so to me, a lot of it's about personalization, right? I, 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 I find that, that technology is good for a bunch of things. If I'm in a business and I want to improve the speed of my transaction, technology is critical for that. If I want to automate things that are manual or things that are repetitive, which a lot of businesses Mm. have, I want to put things in like robotic process automation, which is a great technology to have. But you still need the human beings to process and program the robot. So what you're doing is you're replacing the person who's in sales on the phone with a, a programmer. Or, you know, a lot of times it, the, it doesn't improve the labor pool within an organization. It just redistributes it in different areas. So what I find is technology is good in that area and speeding up transactions and accuracy on accounting and things like that. It's good from a CRM perspective and a marketing perspective because if you want to stay in touch with your clients, you stay in touch with them through personalization, newsletters, and things like that. But you've again, you've got to be careful because if you're if you if you're sending them an email every week about something, after a while they may just they look at it. I don't know because I do this. Hmm. If I, there's some ones that I get them, I don't even have to open them. I know exactly what it is. Delete. Yeah. So you you want to be open. So how do you get open? Um, I think. Technology as a whole in the manufacturing realm for me has been very good in terms of IoT, Internet of Things. Uh, Everything's becoming big data oriented now instead of silos of data. So data analytics is something that I encourage all of my C-level and my business executives. It's it's all about numbers, right? If you're into sports, 
um, the, the teams that are successful are the ones that have the statistics guys who can tell you when a guy is going to do something to the left or something to the right or he's when he's good in the beginning of the game or the end of the game. So, you know, having all of those analytics are important. And I see the big push in the industry now to analytics because the analytics become predictive analytics and pre being able to predict things ahead of your competitors or what the technology really should be going towards within an organization to have technology for the sake of of a pretty of, of a shiny object yeah. which a lot of people do everyone's shiny object oriented isn't this really cool i can do this and i can do that and i'm like okay well you know that's really great how many hours a day are you spending on those things which honestly are non-productive but they're cool mm. You know, and you could do it in a different way or a consolidated area or you can collaborate with other people with it, but they're not. You know, they have an app on their phone that does it. And, and I think the problem is I think that, that a lot of the phones today have made it a very I need it now society and I've got to have it right away. Yeah. And I, I think that is really something that businesses are going to be challenged with going forward. Mm. Speed yes, of the transaction. Yeah, yeah kind of instant gratification that something is it's just cool it sort of makes me feel good but it doesn't necessarily contribute anything to to the business or to what i'm actually doing i think you make a really important point there in terms of the analytics and the ability of technology these days particularly with ai and machine learning to understand those analytics really quickly and give some insights and i think that's a really cool um, use of technology that then can be used for people to continue to build on the relationships they have so for example phoning someone up and following up and and saying well you know i see that typically when when your orders spike that um, after that there's there's a, a delay because of something or other that we've learnt from just analysing the data, is there some way we can smooth that out so that your cash flow is better or whatever it might be? It goes further. It even goes further nowadays. The way it works is uh, they have what's called customer engagement or customer insights, which actually are looking at all of those things. You're it's listening, basically. Hmm. See, the, the next big future is is not social media projection it's social media listening it's being able to mine the data that's coming in because the data is coming in from so many different sources mm -hmm. and being able to glean from it the insights that you need so that you can get things like customer sentiment towards something you know we're thinking about introducing a new product what's the customer sentiment for that product we post a social media thing out there and we see how the customers and the people around react to it and that's how they make marketing decisions now so the artificial intelligence the predictive insights the learning because that's what it is it's machine learning mm -hmm. it's taking all that data and as that data keeps getting ingested into my systems my machine is learning what it means and what it does and it builds intelligence it's the robotics behind it right yeah. and now that I have that I can actually figure out who my ideal customer is is and how I should be targeting that customer. So now my marketing cost actually will, will eventually go down. And all of the noise is there for a purpose. It's there for me to listen to the noise and to interpret it and figure out from the noise how I can be competitive in what I do. Hmm. That's Yeah, that's a really great application, I think, because one of the things that I find, and I've, I've kind of come off Facebook in particular because of all the noise and it just it's kind of overwhelming and there's like i don't know whether any of this is even adding value to what i'm doing so i kind of ignore it completely and here you know there's a machine or an, a, a program that can do that listening filter out the rubbish condense the the important things once it's set up correctly and then give some insights into that and i don't have to do anything once I get the insights, of course, then I can start to interact with those dream customers, like you said. It's your stomach, man. Your stomach's digesting the good information. Don't you feel good? Because it's all the stuff that you could use for your business yeah. body. <laughs> that's exactly that, that's that's how this whole book it just flowed right out of me. <laughs> it really did. <laughs>
Well, I think that's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators in their field. Give them some tips from your experience to help them do something awesome today as a result. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? You know, I actually have two things. <laughs> I mean, the first one is, and, and, and it's, it's my mantra, it's question everything. Hmm. I mean, if you want to be innovative, you've got to question everything. You've got to be disruptive. I mean, you have to say, well, that's, you know, or if you're doing something that's non-disruptive, it has to be something that you can actually uh, continue to enhance the business while you're making those changes as well. But you should question everything. And what I tell all my business owners is, is if you really want to be innovative, you're only going to be innovative if you're pursuing what your passion is. If you're passionate about it, you're going to come up with all those ideas that no one else has ever had. Mm, I love it, yeah. And, yeah, the questioning everything, that that's sort of the curiosity coming out, isn't it? It's, hmm, why is that? <clears throat> All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Believe it or not, maybe I'm an old guy, but I do a lot of research. And, you know, growing up, having to do my research in libraries, Google has made life really easy for me. And, and one thing I've gotten really good at is how to find the information that people say, I can't find it on Google. Because... I, I am always researching, I'm always reading, and, and I read journals, and I read journals of all different types, and magazines of all different types, because that's where my ideas get formulated from. Um, I'm also very disruptive. I, I question everything. You know, I, 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 why do you do it that way? And then someone will say to me, "Well, you know, uh, because a, a, a plus B should equal C." And I'm like, "But it doesn't. It equals D." You know, and how did you get to that point? And make it and, and make an explanation. So by being disruptive, a lot of times I find improvements in areas that people weren't thinking about. So I find that that's a big way to be. Hmm. I develop yeah, a new product or yeah. a new idea. And certainly, I mean, I think we, we're just in a wonderful time at the moment being able to just type something into one of our devices and do that search. And I agree with you. There's so many things you can find. And uh, often people ask me, oh, where did you find that? I said, oh, I just Googled something. Oh, I, I've never found anything like that. And I said, well, it's, a, it's about how you search. You've got to ask the right question into the search and then... Exactly, dig down right. and it's not just about the first page that you get then you can if you're doing some serious research you can ask a follow-up question or rephrase the question sometimes and, and really get some insightful information and it's learning it's machine learning yeah. when you type it in it wants to see what you ended up finding that was relevant to it mm. see that's what that, that's what having a that big data lake data warehouse you know this big glob of data this is the way they analyze it it's artificial intelligence it's really amazing hmm. all right is there a favorite tool you have that you use most often or resource well you know for technology i always go to the microsoft doc site because there's always a lot of stuff that's there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's certain publications I like. Harvard Business Review mm -hmm. has, uh, HBR has a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, there's some technology journals that I always I always look at. And I, believe it or not, I look at a lot of the rags like PC Magazine and stuff just to kind of see what the consumers are looking at as well. Um, I use OneNote religiously. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just something I've just always used. And I, I, I keep a good calendar and outlook. And, I, you know, a lot of stuff exists within my folder structure, my Outlook folder structure. And I can find things because I have them organized the way that I want to have my files organized. Um, and then I also use mind map tools. Mm. Uh, mind maps will let you explore an idea and continue to expand out from it and create sub ideas um, it's it's really good if you want to do some creative um, you know uh, snowballing with your staff um, creative whack packs are good where you throw down something it gives you an idea and then everybody just kind of in a, in a meeting discusses things or situations it's to get creative juices flowing uh, so mind map is good and think uh, is good as 
as a tool for you to do that individually and the creative whack pack or things like that are really good for you to do it as a team because a lot of times um, I always find that my point of view is very myopic as opposed to having a team around me and having a team around me has made me much more open to collaborate with everybody and I think collaboration is really you know any collaboration tool that you have that you could put out there for your team to work on um, people say well I don't know what the purpose of it is the purpose of it is to exchange ideas and thoughts and for people to say hey you know what that's a good idea I could use that over here yeah so collaboration tools are really good as well I would like Trello and things like that I would look at those hmm. you know it, it, as a way of creating innovation having those kind of tools and then having a mind map tool as well where you can say okay here's the main idea and then John over there says let's go this way and Sally goes let's go that way and you start creating all of these branches or these sub things and before you know it you have a prototype of what you're trying to do yeah yeah I'm a big fan of mind maps I've been using them for probably 30 years now um, the it reminds me, <laughs> coming back to your business fitness idea, I mean, the concept of the mind map when Tony Buzan kind of first um, proposed them and, and developed them was that's how the mind thinks. That's how the neurons are connected in the mind. There's some, some idea somewhere that sparks off in all kinds of different directions and, and connects and generates new ideas, and that's essentially what a mind map is a representation of. It's such a great, simple to easy tool that you can annotate and people you know it's like having a whiteboard yeah. you know I always it, it's like the greatest tool I, I I have one of those 3m big sticky boards you stick them on an easel and you mm. write all over them and you stick them on the wall I mean you know you, you need a place to express your ideas not just on a piece of paper in front of your face right <laughs> <laughs> that other people can look at it and yeah. make judgment on all right what's the best way to keep a client on track um, <clears throat> I'm a firm subscriber to a simplistic project management system. The way that I do it is every project that I do for a client, whether it's technology or a people project or a process project, I create a Microsoft project plan. And what I do is I assign resources and I assign time frames. And then the best way to keep them on track is you just look at the current week. And on Friday, you have a status meeting. And in that status meeting, you look at what they were supposed to accomplish and what got accomplished and you have a status report that you're reporting to your management or to other people or even to you that they're reporting to you mm. that has four quadrants this is what I did this week this is what I'm going to do next week this is an issue that I need to have escalated to management and this is a potential issue that we're going to have to deal with that we're going to need to come up with some solution for and that four quadrants will give you an exact idea of where the project is. And then on the other side, I make it red, yellow, and green with an indicator. And then I say, here's the budget that we have. Here's what, we, here's what we've burned. Here's our percentage of completion. Very simple, half an hour to an hour meeting. And what it does is it puts the pressure on people to perform because they're coming to a meeting and they better have done their homework. Mm. It's the greatest way to do it. It's the way I've been doing it for 25, 30 years, and all of my projects come in on time and on or under budget. Yeah, I love that. I love that quadrant idea, and it's it's essentially a um, a dashboard, a one-page dashboard, isn't it? That that tells That's you it. everything it's where a, it's you're a at. snapshot. Hmm. You know, I, I see project managers develop these project plans that are 60 pages long and you can't figure out where you are in the project. Why complicate that? Hmm. You know, you have every task detailed out in the project plan so everyone knows what they have to do. Hmm. And then all you're doing is you're tracking the progress on it and you're asking for a weekly update on it. You're not being intrusive. You're just being collaborative. And, okay, guys, or every two weeks, whatever it is, whatever the run is, and and you'd be surprised because what problems what most people do is they create these massive projects that are out there and then they get three quarters of the way through and realize that they're they have no more budget left or that they have no resources that have to go to another project because they have no PMO so yeah, I'm a project manager at heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right uh, and last question of the buzz round what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves Whatever business you're in, 
if you could understand the operational and technical side of your business and also understand the business side of the business, then you're that needle in the haystack. That was the lesson my dad taught me when I said, should I stay in finance or should I go in computers? And he said to me, if you could do both of them, you'll be doing something that no one else could do. And this was 30 years ago he said that to me. Hmm. And he's right. Because there were a lot of guys who knew finance better than I did. Yeah. There's a lot of people who knew computers better than I did. But there wasn't a lot of people who knew how to teach controllers, CFOs, and finance and cost accounting. And that's, what, that's how I made my niche was understanding both sides of the business. So my biggest advice to you is whatever business you're in, know both sides of the business. Don't give up the one side of the business. People that do that sometimes lose control of it. Don't lose control of it. Understand it so that you could step into any part of your business at any time and take over. Because hmm. you may need to someday. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful advice. Love it. All right. Um, thanks, Brad. This has really been great. Thanks for getting us through the buzz round and the whole conversation has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, about your book, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? My uh, email is B as in boy, Tornberg, T-O-R-N-B-E-R-G, B Tornberg at E3, letter E, number three, businessconsultantsplural.com. And um, my website is www.e3businessconsultants.com. And feel free to reach out. And anyone who's a part of your program, I'd be more than glad to help them with whatever they have free of charge. First call, whatever they want to talk about. Excellent. That's very generous. Thank you. And we'll post links, of course, to all of those places in the show notes. Now, do you have some parting advice today for our listener? Always listen, always be open, don't be judgmental, be to your people the way you are to your family, <laughs> hopefully it's good, <laughs> <laughs> be healthy, stay safe, and God bless. Wonderful, well, great advice there all around, yeah. So thanks so much for, actually I've got one more question, who else should I get on the show and why? Um, let me see who I would think who would be good. Well, if you want to talk about marketing, Ken Tucker would be a good person to talk to. He, uh, from Changescape Web, I've done a lot of work with him. Um, maybe an engineer from Microsoft, maybe I could think about someone in the technical AI space who could talk to you about, uh, AI. Mm. Uh, give me some chance to think about it because there's some people that I think would would actually be pretty good for you to talk to. All right. Well, appreciate that. So we'll um, we'll get connected to Ken and and we'll find out who else you come up with. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your Great. insight so generously with us today, Brad. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Really learned a lot about the whole concept of how you drew this analogy uh, between fitness, personal fitness, fitness of the CEO of the business and, and the business fitness itself and how you use that whole experience of your own fitness regime and habits to to kind of mesh that with the business and draw those metaphors and, and write the book about it. So wonderful story and, and I really do encourage people to check out the website, check out the book and certainly listen carefully to some of the fantastic advice on this episode so thanks brad thank you thank you for having me and get on your bicycle will you i will yeah actually today's a rest day <laughs> today's a rest day i've had five five days in a row but tomorrow morning <laughs> okay we'll be back on it <laughs> great look at congratulations <laughs> thanks brad thanks again thank you bye I hope you've enjoyed that insightful and really informative and entertaining conversation with Brad and took something away from his episode. As you listen to this episode, think about where you can do more for yourself to put yourself first. Take time out for a walk. If you're like me, take time out for a bike ride. Something that takes you away from your business that you enjoy 
At the same time, that gets your blood flowing through the body, gets the brain thinking, and improves your creativity. As I said during the podcast, it's counterintuitive if we take time away from the business that, in fact, if we do it in the way that Brad describes, it's actually very beneficial. Brad's episode can be found at anovabiz.co forward slash Brad Tornberg. That is B-R-A-D-T-O-R-N-B-E-R-G. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Brad Tornberg. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Brad, as well as links to the E3 Consulting website, to Brad's social media pages, and to the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you've listened this far into the show, then you know the drill. Here's the challenge. If you love this conversation, and if you think it'd be useful to one other person, be brave enough to share the conversation with that one other person. And my guess is, I think this is episode 520, in the 519 others that we've published up until right now, there's got to be at least one more that is equally as valuable to you as this episode. So pick one. And between now and the next episode, listen to one more. And then send me a note on LinkedIn about which episode you picked, why you picked it, and most importantly, what's the takeaway that you took out of that episode and even turned into an action. Brad suggested that we have a conversation with Ken Tucker of Changescape Web on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Ken, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Brad Tornberg. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.